Hi, teacher friends. Because it's a new year, we wanted our first episode of 2024 to follow that new year, new mindset way of thinking that's so popular. So we are re-releasing our growth mindset episode. But before we roll the episode, we wanted to remind you that we're giving away some really amazing freebies this year. So follow us on Instagram at realteaching101 to get some really awesome resources that you can use in your classroom. And the ones that we are giving away are on growth mindset. Isn't it fabulous how well that fits? All right, go ahead, pull out your phones, do it now, and let's roll that beautiful intro music. Hey there, we're Megan, Lauren, and Lindsay. We're three teacher advocates who've been where you are and know what you're going through. We believe that teachers are as important to the education system as the curriculum, and our goal is to support you as a teacher and a person. This is everything your teacher prep didn't prepare you for. Welcome to Real Teaching 101. Happy New Year, everybody, especially to my two teacher friends that I am staring at in various different time zones. I know we talk about that a lot, but usually we record in the morning, and today it's the evening time, and it's distinctly dark for everybody, so I'm just going to pretend that we're all in the same time zone. How's everybody's New Year going? I was going to say mine's good, except for I'm sick, so I apologize now for my voice ahead of time. This is just what it is today, guys. I'd like to point out, at least from what I can see, I think you have your Central Perk t-shirt on. You're giving me major, what's the Phoebe when she has her sexy voice from her cold? Remember that episode? Yeah, and she does all the singing. Yeah, and she yeah. like sticks her wet head out the window to try to get her cold back. <laughs> yes. Lindsay does not have COVID, thank goodness. But I mean, you do seem pretty sick. I'm sorry. So I have no real transition into our topic. So I'm just going to tell everybody what we're talking about today, which is growth mindset. And my question was originally going to be to talk about how you guys view failure, feedback, or performance reviews. But then I was playing Sudoku all day, and I'm playing the hard version of it. And there were at least nine times I screamed out loud, cursed the app for cheating, because clearly I had the right answer when I really didn't, and then uh, said I quit, exited out of the app, and then came back to it. So I thought that that would be a really fun way to segue into this growth mindset talk by sharing that as much as we can all espouse that we have a growth mindset, sometimes the petulant child in us comes out and things are just not fair and therefore suck. Completely agree. As you were talking, you know what it was making me think of. And I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to like performance reviews, do you guys have to do like the self-assessment parts too? Like sometimes those. Okay, me too. So like I'd have to like start the year and do a self-assessment and then you also have to do like a self-assessment at the end. Am I the only one who like totally overthinks like I can't give myself all like the top scores like I've got to give myself lower on something even though there are a lot of things where I'm like after 13 years I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at this. Well, I feel like when you get to a certain spot, you're at that level where like sure, little things could be improved, but on the whole I see the, obviously, the importance of continuing your education because things are going to grow and change. And especially with us, like technology, obviously, teaching is not the same as it was 30 years ago, nor should it be. But at that same time, I don't know, I feel like teachers are the only ones who 
are having to to do that amount of, maybe I shouldn't call it extra work. Is it an example of how teachers are are micromanaged? I don't know. It kind of gives me vibes of like being condescending in a way. But maybe I'm also just (laughs) being very defensive, which is always, always an option. I don't think that teachers are the only ones that the only professionals that do it. I do think that lawyers, like after a case, if they win or lose, are like, what did I do well? How can I do that again if I lost? What do I need to do to, to make sure I win the next case? Doctors, the same thing. I think teachers are the ones, are some of the only ones that are required to write it down and submit it. I don't know about you, but like anytime I've done a lesson where I'm super excited about it and I'm amped up and then I go in and it totally just bombs with the kids, like either they're done in five seconds and I was like, that was supposed to take you 20 minutes. So right. no. Or like, they're just like, I don't get it. And I'm like, great. Okay. Like I had to sit there and be like, okay, what did I do wrong? How can I do this differently? And that was a constant thing. Right. And I, and I think that we do that naturally. And I think we would continue to do that even if it wasn't required for us to be like, how well did you include your standard every week and things like that? Yeah. Was your objective on the board? Oh, it wasn't then your whole lesson's a flop. Like, come on. Well, I'm glad you mentioned yourself, Lindsay, because that's going to segue into what I also did, aside from wanting to throw my iPad across the room because Sudoku clearly thinks I'm an idiot, was I took an online quiz and it wasn't like a BuzzFeed quiz or anything. Oh, man, I was really hoping it was going to be like, and this is the cheesecake I am. Gosh, I wish. No, this was from a website called BigLifeJournal.com. And I wanted to share some of the phrasings that were on there. And I want you all to tell me if you personally agree, disagree, strongly agree or strongly disagree with the statement itself. Okay. And is this going to be a statement about you? No, this is like a growth mindset quiz. I probably should have prefaced that at the beginning. Intelligence is a trait you can't change. Strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. Okay. I feel nervous about taking on new challenges and trying new things. I prefer to avoid them. Disagree. Yeah, disagree. Okay. I appreciate feedback from others and believe it helps me improve. Mm, Disagree. I, I would agree with that. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Depends. It's situational. <laughs> okay. So people rarely change much. You simply are a certain kind of person. Disagree. Uh, yeah, disagree. Okay. So you see these are the types of questions that you can do to kind of figure out what your own growth mindset is. Mm-hmm. So I got the results and I was like, I wonder if this is actually what I am. And so I took another quiz, and this one was a little bit more legitimate because it was developed by the researcher on growth mindset, and I'll talk about her a little bit later. And this one from the researcher who did growth mindset was super interesting because it had different phrasings of similar ideas. So the ones that I read to you were kind of not like black and white, but they were phrased really clearly, whereas the second Mm -hmm. quiz I took had something like, No matter who you are, you can significantly change your level of talent, as well as you can always substantially change how much talent you have. And so by having these like tiny little word differences between significantly change your level of talent and substantially change your level of talent, you can kind of be like, oh, I don't know if I totally strongly agree with that. I might kind of agree with that. So 
through the second quiz, I was able to see like, oh, I guess I'm not as like growth mindset-y as I thought I was. So it turns out that me personally, I have a growth mindset with some fixed ideas. And I find that interesting because when we think of growth mindset, we tend to think of it as like all or nothing. Like I am growth mindset, like woo for me, everything is possible. I can, I can. Or like, no thanks, I'm just gonna like hang out here. And especially in education, we really push growth mindset. You can always change and you can always be different, but we don't always acknowledge that there are some things that you're like, I'm good with that. I don't want to change that. I would definitely agree that like there's social factors that like contribute to how much somebody can grow. For instance, I really wanted to play soccer. Guess who doesn't love running and figure that out rather quickly? That would be me. And Yes, if I practiced, I did get better at running. It was more fun for me, but I was never going to be Hope Solo. Like that was not my destiny. And that's just where it is, right? But girl, you could have been the goalie like me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, I tried it one day and then I was like, I, I, I was like six or something and I was just complaining. I was like, I didn't get to touch the ball. And so then that didn't work out for me. But then I switched sports and that was fine. But it's also like, even for school, right? I was always academically inclined. Things came easy to me in school. I learned to read easily. Math came really easily to me. My sister, that was not the case. And it did not matter how many hours she sat at that dining room table and studied and tried to learn her multiplication facts. It just was hard for her. And so I think it it's just different for everybody. So like Lauren was kind of alluding to, like growth mindset has to mean different things for different people. It can't be all in on everything. And it can't like you can't ever want to grow either. And I think growth mindset is also something that you have to accept is a possibility. Like you can, in fact, change. If you really, really, really wanted to play soccer and be the next Hope Solo, you could have if you wanted to really put that much effort in and overcome all of the challenges and all of that. Like, I feel I'm, like it's possible that you could have excelled in soccer if you really stuck to it. But but I'm, for being somebody in the Olympics, I yeah. don't think that's possible. No, for I would have said maybe I could have played high school soccer if I kept pushing and stuff. I don't ever think like there's just limits. Like I'm 5'2". I don't run very fast. Like that's never been my thing. And even if I was training, it just wasn't. I was better at softball. And, I, and better at volleyball. And I found those niche things. It was just not soccer. Right. But I think the point that I'm trying to make is you, you and I are making a very similar point, which is there are some things that you just don't really want to do because you don't enjoy it. And that's okay. But live with me in a world where you really, really wanted to do it. And even as as bad as you were, you still really wanted to do it. Could you have foreseen yourself overcoming challenges and thinking and practicing until the wee hours of the morning. Yes, I would say that I could have done that. I think it would it would be impractical for me to say that I could have been a professional soccer player, even with all of the effort and training and all of those things. It just wasn't. It's on the card for cards for me. So it is possible, but they're. It, I think they're more one offs than anything. I think it's important to have a growth mindset about like realistic things. Like if you want to do yoga and practice and get better and a bit more flexible, like what does that mean for you? Saying, oh, I'm going to have a growth mindset and become an Olympic weightlifter? Probably not. I don't know. I'm going to go out here on a limb and kind of disagree. Like okay. I, I think that 
how badly you want something and how much you're willing to work for it and overcome hurdles is a huge contributing factor. Like, will that mean that everybody is going to go on and be a superstar famous, whatever it is that they want to be? Not necessarily, but I feel like going back to your yoga example, like there are some people who are just like, I could never do it. I can never be that flexible. I could never do a handstand or a headstand. But having done yoga, I'm like, well, it's totally possible to be able to do that. And I think it's like when we kind of try and say and separate like yoga is different than basketball. I'm like, but in a sense, is it kind of the same thing? Because they're both physical things and you both have to push yourself and you have to practice and you have to do all of that. I think what comes into play here is then the comparison between the two people. So if there are two people and they both want to, I don't know, do the sport, do the yoga, do the whatever, (laughs) they're going to have their each own unique challenges. I think where this can kind of be a slippery slope is where, you know, one person might be single, not have any kids, uh, have the disposable income to go to a yoga studio every single day, buy the nicest mats, whatever. And then maybe the other person who really wants to do it is like the mom of three. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, has to run errands, make dinner, pack lunches, doesn't get to do any of her yoga until after nine o'clock once all the kids are asleep and then somebody wakes. So not that it's not possible because I, I do love the thought process of like, if you want something hard enough, you can get it. But I think this is the same issue I have for when people are like, well, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. I think I can see where we might be in kind of this like wonky sauce area, which is, I think we're all kind of focusing on what the outcome is, which mm-hmm. is like the professional the finish line. star, the finish line. Um, and I think we are right when we're like, there is some fluidity in what it is. But I think the major point that we need to make about growth mindset is it's about that people can change their ability. Are they going to go from zero to 60 in a week? No. And is 60 going to always be the end goal? No, but it is possible for people to change abilities and talents should they work towards them and overcome any hurdles or challenges. No? Yes? Yes. No, I would I agree like with that, that statement. Yeah. yeah. And Look I like that. We're allowed to disagree with each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right. I think like it's real easy just to be like, oh, you know, gold medal, Olympics. I love how we just all started talking about Olympians. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a thing that like, you know, you just wake up and do. And I guess that's another example of like why it can be so hard to picture yourself sometimes, you know, when you're comparing yourself against the best of the best in a way. And I'd also like to point out that when we talked about like the quiz and things of like how you felt about something, like we all tend to agree in like a positive way. Like, yeah, it's totally possible. But also look at how quick we were to be like, it's totally possible, but not that part. Like that might be unrealistic for some, which I think is just a very interesting aspect of growth mindset where it's not all or nothing. And there's like a little bit of like, well, maybe it doesn't work in this capacity. And I just found that fascinating. And I think you're right. I think we focused on like the end result versus like, so Hope Solo could say like, I want, I'm going to get better at soccer. And obviously that means something different for her than it does for me today. But if I commit to that, I will get better at soccer. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, will I play like her? No, but that's wasn't, that wasn't the point. It was that I put a goal out there and I decided to grow and do that. And it doesn't have to be like sports or ability based either. It could be like, I'm going to drink more water. 
and just being like 1% better every day. Okay. I did have my, my glass of water in the morning. I was really bad the rest of the day, but that's okay. I didn't get my one glass in tomorrow. I'm going to do better. And just like keeping that mentality going. I think you can do that with pretty much anything. I think with teachers, it can be easy to hear growth mindset. And like automatically I'm thinking about my students, like, you know, and how everybody's going to need something different to reach those goals. But like you said, Lauren, I guess I, I could think about it in the sense of where everyone just does not have to be reaching the exact same goal. Like that will look different. That gold star or that, you know, ribbon or whatever it is can be awarded to people for different things and everyone could be reaching it at a different way. And everybody can have some aspect that they're self-desiring to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've had a very robust conversation so far. <laughs> what do you say we take a break and then we'll come back. I'll tell you so much more about growth mindset. You will be amazed. All right. Welcome back from break, everybody. So I wanted to talk a little bit about where growth mindset came from, because I find this story a little bit fascinating in terms of what it started out as and then sort of morphed into becoming. So this was originally coined by this woman named Carol Dweck, and I believe she was a researcher at Stanford University. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's where it was. And she studied a whole bunch of students. So growth mindset did start out as this educational thing. So she studied a whole bunch of students and found that those students who believed that their abilities could change and grow through challenges and hard work outperformed those who thought that their abilities were just what they were. So think of it as the difference between kids saying, I can't do something, period, versus I can't do something yet. So that caught on like wildfire. And that's sort of like how we have growth mindset. And then it went on to become in businesses and all wherever you see it. It's growth mindset is like everywhere. Her research was corroborated by other neuroscience research. And you know how I feel about brain science. And what that says is that our brain is far more changeable than we think it is and that we can increase our neural growth by the actions we take, such as using good strategies, asking questions, practicing, and following good nutrition and sleep habits. And what's more interesting is that if people are taught that your brain can grow, they start to behave differently. So what this essentially means is that when we really present information as like, no, you are not just what you think you are. You can be whatever it is that you want to be. You dream it. You believe it you start to work towards actually becoming the thing that you want to become. And so I wanted to talk about how we see this in the classroom. And Lindsay, you teach math, and I know you have talked about kids and their math anxieties. So now knowing about a lot of that, what say you on how growth mindset has changed abilities in math? I would say it definitely is a conversation that you should have probably in every math classroom at all ages. And of course, it's going to look different for the little ones versus as they get older and in high school. But if you start having it at a younger age, it'll become more ingrained in them as they get older. And I've always said, kids, nobody is bad at math. They get anxiety about being bad at math. There's this fear that's created about being wrong or not being as fast as somebody else or all these different things or having to answer a question in class. I always started the year off with a growth mindset conversation. So I would give the kids all of these like negative phrases. I can't do this. I'm not smart. I don't know what to do next. And I would have them create phrases that were positive and growth mindset focused. And so they would do things like, this is hard for me right now, 
but I can do this. Or they would say things like, I'm going to keep trying until I get this. And then we would write all those out and keep them up on the board. So if I had somebody who would raise their hand and it was always in the beginning of the year, it gets worse than the, at the end. But it's, Miss Lindsay, I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm like, look at the chart. What what could you say instead? And they would pick a phrase and that would help them. And so then towards the end of the year, it was more of like, Miss Lindsay, this is really hard for me right now, but I'm going to keep trying. And just like, even if they never got the skill fully, like knowing that they were at least thinking that way, that to me was making a change for them in math. And I would say it absolutely isn't just making a change in math, but it's this whole thing of they're now behaving differently in terms of everything else that they're doing, which is sort of the magic of growth mindset, is that when you can start to make that one small change in one area, it like blossoms into other areas of your life. But I feel like it's the buying into being able to change and be different that can be really hard for anybody, but especially with students who have come to like believe something about themselves in terms of their intelligence can be extra hard. Megan, what say you? You've got the littles. <laughs> um, well, well, Lindsay, while you were talking, I just kept thinking that I really wish this was something that I would have had when I was younger. This is one of those things that I think we're getting right in the sense of, I wish this was a thing that we had when we were younger. I wish this was something that our parents had had when, when they were younger. Because I just feel like when we were growing up, you were kind of just put in that box. I just think that there is a lot of hope there. And like you said, Lauren, I think that it can kind of spread out into different parts of their lives. And I just wonder like how maybe my experience would have been if I had had a teacher like you telling me that about math, because from such an early age, I was just like, oh, I'm bad at this. I, Not ever. I don't have any memories of someone telling me, oh, you just don't understand it yet. <laughs> it was just like, oh, but you're, you know, but you like reading. Right. So, like you're a really good reader, though. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, you know, kids, we internalize that stuff. Like, you you know, that that sticks with you. I'm so glad that you said that because another thing I found that also influenced mindset was what a teacher believes about themselves and their students. So I really wonder how different things are going to be because so many teachers are pushing this like growth mindset because they themselves believe that they as the adult can change. When we as people believe that we are capable of change and growth and improvement and we bring that into the classroom, then students can believe that they are capable of growth and change. And I think that that goes back to Megan, your point, which is Prior to this shift in this research coming out and kind of blowing up in the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so, that might not have always been the norm and the commonplace. It makes me think of that whole practice what you preach thing. So it's almost like the students in your class believe this about themselves because you're leading by example, showing them that you believe this. And it, it makes me think of when like um, the importance of modeling mistakes um, for the little ones, I'll do something where like, you know, if we're doing parts of speech, like I'll write a sentence on the board and forget uh, to put a capital letter at the beginning, or I'll forget a period or something in. And I will say the whole thing out loud, like, oh my gosh, look at that. I forgot to put a period. Like, oh, no problem. Like, let me go fix that, that, that kind of thing. Because 
you know, modeling all of those things like, oh, it's okay. It's just a little mistake, not a big deal. Easy peasy, you know, easy enough to fix it. I remember Lauren working with you and like you reading in front of your kids, that kind of thing, which I, which I think that's all of that leading by example or sharing with them like, oh, you know, I wanted to read this ridiculously long book that Lauren likes to do. <laughs> hey, I got through the grapes of wrath and I've got a whole story about it and it was freaking fabulous. But but I love that. Like that's that kind of thing where you modeled for them like, oh, here's this thing I've never done before. I've wanted to read this book for a long time, but it was kind of like intimidating because it's so long. So I'm just going to cut it up into tiny pieces and do little bits here and there. And then, you know, students saw you doing that kind of thing. And, and I think that can be said for any aspect of life. And I don't know, maybe it just shows the importance of, of kind of sharing those parts of your lives with, with your students as well and showing them that, you know, the learning doesn't stop after you get a diploma. Just to clarify what Megan is talking about, for those of you who don't have the intimate view into our lives that that we do, I have wanted to read The Grapes of Wrath for years, but it was so freaking long. But I decided I was going to do it and I was going to do it in tiny little increments whenever I was able to find time. So over, I finished it in October, and I think I started it in early August. And it took me months to read, but at like 15 or 20 minutes a time, and oftentimes with um, my students, I would be reading this book, and I finally finished it. And it has since become like this very joyful <laughs> experience that they now have as a memory of me fastidiously reading The Grapes of Wrath. Lauren, you and I used uh, my favorite mistake a lot. And that was something that came out a couple of years ago. And I think that really helped the kids. Like in math, like I would go through exit tickets and I would find a mistake that was the most common in class. And then I say, someone made my favorite mistake and I get really excited about it. And then I put the problem on the board the way it was done. And then I would have them try to figure out what my favorite mistake was. And then it was almost like if the kids had made that mistake, they're like, oh, cool. Well, I made it, but it was her favorite one. So it's okay. And so it creates this like vulnerability, which allows them to grow. Some of the favorite, my favorite moments with the kids are when I'm playing hot teacher hot seat and they're just asking me questions, getting to know me as a person. And they'll ask me things like, what was like your most embarrassing moment during class? And like, they want to hear those stories and like how you overcame them and like, you know, oh, so that happened to you and you're still like a living, breathing adult. Like, so it didn't like kill you. Like, I think those things are important in the they just help the kids so much. And it shows that you're human yeah. too. And I think that goes back to our point from the very beginning, which is very often we look at an outcome as being the perfect thing, right? I'm trying to achieve that one thing. And the magic is in the like muddledness that it takes to get there. And very often as a teacher, we are the outcome. We're the professional. We're the ones standing in front of them. They're having these worksheets that hopefully don't have spelling mistakes on them and they're printed off nicely and they look fantastic. But by being somebody who makes mistakes and overcomes them and shares our own personal lives appropriately can really go a long way with helping students see their own future and like what it means to be a person. So I just have a few other things that I wanted to talk about before we did our anti-PD tips. And that was going back to Miss Carol Dweck. And I find her so fascinating because she wrote this article in the Harvard Business Review called What Growth Mindset Actually Means. And I thought that that was an impressively snarky title from the person who did the research because it tells me that a lot of people have really misunderstood growth mindset. So in true teacher fashion, I thought we should do like a 
what it is and what it is not. The one thing that I thought was most applicable to education from this article was that a growth mindset is not about praising and rewarding effort. It's not solely about that. And she writes in this article, it's critical to reward not just effort, but learning and progress, and to emphasize the process that yields these things, such as seeking help from others, trying new strategies, and capitalizing on setbacks to move forward effectively. In all of our research, the outcome, the bottom line, follows deeply from engaging in these processes. And I thought that that was kind of fascinating because how often do we hear like, oh, you tried hard and mm-hmm. you you did your best. And I think that there's a place for that, but that it's not just about always trying hard and doing your best or dare I say the words, the participation trophy. <laughs> Like, we have to be really specific with when we're giving feedback and what it is that we're praising. Because if we just said, like, you tried hard, but then there's nothing that helps them improve, like, doesn't that just mean, like, what you did was good enough? It's learning the skills. Do you know what I mean? Like, the skills to to kind of go back and check something or to try again or whatever it is. And it's like, it's almost like that's what you want to reinforce for a student. Like, oh, I loved that you went back and read your paragraph again yourself and caught, you know, this spelling mistake or that kind of thing. So it's not even like, oh, you just fixed it, fixed it. Oh my God. Sorry. It's <laughs> getting late for me, guys. Please edit Growth that mindset, out. Megan. Growth mindset. <laughs> You're fine. But it, it's not just that, you know, like they caught it and they fixed their mistake, but it was like the whole process. So it's almost like you want to acknowledge that they put in the work, I guess is what I'm trying to say, not just the outcome. And I think to think about this in terms of like feedback that you might write on a paper, and I've done this before and I've written like good job on the top of a paper, but good job isn't really specific. I mean, it's just like that thing that you write to say that you put some sort of feedback on there. But I think it going to your point, Megan, it would have been better instead of saying like, I really liked how you X, Y, and Z, or it was a really nice when you did X, Y, and Z. And it's really easy to have that like platitude type feedback. But I think if we're really going to like plug into growth mindset, we need to start thinking very specifically about what our feedback is. And just to be a teacher advocate, I will say I understand that that takes longer. I oh, was, does. yeah, I was the teacher who was looking at each exit ticket, circling certain things, writing a little note to the side, like really like how you did this, but let, next time let's try this. And for, you know, all of your classes, especially as you get into the older grades, is a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I get that. So I would try to hone in on what Lauren was talking about, like choose what you really want to focus on. Like, did they go back and use this skill set? Did they reread the prompt? Whatever it is you're trying to work on and then like give feedback about that specifically so you're not sitting there trying to find specific feedback for each student. You don't have to do it for every single assignment either. Like just how we talked about with grading, like go ahead, throw some of it away. (laughs) You know, like make it easier on yourself. Like if it is a meaningful assignment, maybe it is the paper that they've been working on for the past month. And that's the kind of thing where you want to go through, like you said, and like put your time and effort and it absolutely takes longer, but it is meaningful. If it was just maybe, you know, a worksheet they completed in class or something like that, like I don't think there's anything wrong with depending on the work, doing the sticker, the stamp, the smiley face, and then saving those things that take long for the meaningful assignment. Because it's just not feasible. Like, you know, one teacher cannot do that for every single thing that needs to be 
checked and assessed. But I'm glad you pointed that out, Lindsay. Say, I took it a step further because the first time I did it, I did the feedback for everybody. And then it passed the paperback and the kids are like, cool, I got a nine out of 10, threw it away. And I was like, mm -hmm. did you read it? And they're like, oh, you wrote something? I'm like, okay, this is not how this is going to go. So then I, <laughs> the next time I did that, had the kids say, like, nobody get out of your seat, read what I wrote to you. If you have questions, come and talk to me. I did have a few kids come and talk to me, but the next time I went and like had everybody working on something. And as I passed it back, I went and talked to each kid because that was more meaningful to me than like them trying, like attempting to read my feedback and like applying it. So like you just have to find what works for you and your kids. Funnily enough, I would say that this whole like shift in giving feedback on on work is a growth mindset in and of itself. So if you're like, man, this just is not something that I want to do. Like it's okay to have your teaching practice be what works best for you. But if it's like, oh, if that's going to help my students and me in the process be better and it's going to help model all of this, you'll want to work towards whatever this process looks like for you because it's not about, what is it? She says, the outcome follows deeply from engaging in the process. My advice would be just don't try to, you know, give the personalized feedback on every single assignment every single day, all day long. Like there is just not enough time or hours in the day. Well, I did want to give a shameless plug here. Uh, Ooh, uh, I know. That's my and favorite that, kind. Yeah. Well, it involves you, Megan. Oh, hey. And that is that you and I have a podcast for teens, tweens, and the people who love them called Cafeteria Confidence. And uh, we actually did a growth mindset episode that may or may not have had similar information <laughs> for this episode, just geared more towards a younger audience. So if you're a teacher who's listening to this and you've really enjoyed this conversation and is like, how do I bring it to my students? Um, you can check out the Cafeteria Confidence podcast, which is geared towards your young people and maybe use it as a way to engage them in talking about growth mindset. So yay, shameless plug. Good job. I like that plug. This is the kind of feedback that I like. Remember when I said I didn't like feedback? <laughs> I just meant I didn't like negative feedback. Well, I support oh. the plug anyway, so good feedback. <laughs> All right. Let us take a break. We'll come back with our anti-PD tips that will help you implement growth mindset. Welcome to our anti-PD tips. These are the takeaways we hope will stick with you from today's episode. What's worse than going to a professional development that offers zero helpful tips for your everyday teacher life? Nothing. Here are three tips we hope will help you understand your mindset and develop mindset practices with your students. Tip number one, take a look at you. As educators, you bring a lot of beliefs about your students because of how you see yourself. This is why looking at what you believe about yourself can be impactful. I'll tell you what, I took an online quiz and it was kind of fun. And I learned something about myself in the process. You can use the one I found on Big Life Journal or the one developed by Carol Dweck herself. They're both linked in the show notes. Remember, it's not about judging yourself for the answers, but knowing that it's possible to change. Tip number two, feedback matters. Start to move away from generic and comforting feedback like good job and try harder. Telling students about how appreciative you are of their effort and how they can improve can encourage them to take more risks and view themselves as a person who can. It's not about praising and rewarding effort, but emphasizing that these things are a part of the larger learning process. Tip number three, get your students in on it. Self-reflection, self-graded assignments, and teacher check-ins can be a good way to set up an environment where a growth mindset can be developed. 
asked students what they are proud of, what they would change for next time, how they overcame challenges, and how they have grown in that subject area. Growth mindset isn't about perfection, and once students believe that they are capable of change, they will start to see how much progress they are actually making. Those are our three anti-PD tips for the week. Before you leave us today, know that you're appreciated and we know you're doing everything you can. Let's stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at RealTeaching101 or email us at RealTeaching101 at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Ambitious Ed. Thanks for listening today and we'll see you next class.